Take that! Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark. This is an original episode recorded with my father, Jeff Clark, and it's on the fallacy ad hominem. Enjoy. Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and I'm joined this afternoon with my father and co-author, Jeff Clark. G'day, Dad. How are you going? G'day, Theo. Good, thanks. In today's podcast, we are going to look at the fallacy uh, ad hominem. Okay, as usual, we're reading from our book, but um, the term we use in our book is personal abuse. We changed that to ad hominem in electronic versions to come and any reprints, but I'll stick with the original. So personal abuse, the other terms and or related concepts, ad hominem, to the man, or personal attack, a description of a concept. The advocate attacks his or her opponent rather than the argument put forward by the opponent. When personal abuse is used, the content of the attack does not relate to objective facts about such things as the opponent's membership of a particular group or the profession they practice, for example, environmentalist, lawyer. Rather, the abuse is directed at the person's character or other personal attributes. Example, Phil Schnotter and Nigel Pennyweight are having a heated conversation in the pub about banks when Phil, the advocate, says... I know why you think bank profits are too high, Nigel. You're just prejudiced against banks. If I was such a loser, I would be prejudiced against banks too. You just hate hard-working, successful people who happen to have enough money to invest. Comment. At times this fallacy may be hard to distinguish from other common fallacies, such as impugning motives and poisoning the well. In fact, all three fallacies may be closely associated with each other, and may even occur in the one sentence. The key characteristic of personal abuse is that an abusive label is directed at the individual and used as a gratuitous insult, that is, an insult which really has no bearing on the subject under discussion. In the example given above, the use of the word loser is the key indicator that personal abuse is taking place. The label is simply a term of abuse and Phil clearly intends to hurt and belittle Nigel by calling him a loser. Use of such terms is likely to raise the emotional temperature of the discussion and and result in an unproductive trading of insults. Note that immediately after the personal abuse in the example above, Phil then impugns Nigel's motives in the words that follow the personal abuse. He says, you just hate hard-working, successful people. A form of personal abuse which is particularly common today is the unjustified use of a negative label associated with the topic under discussion. For example, a witless advocate might label an opponent, oh, sorry, a proponent of zero population growth a racist without justification. In doing this, he or she is actually seeking to undermine the proponent's credibility in order to evade discussion of the issue, rather than engaging in considered debate. It is commonly the case that for each term of abuse that may be directed at a person advocating one side of an argument, there is a term of abuse which may be directed at the other side. For every greenie, there is a redneck. For every misogynist, there is a feminazi. For every fascist, there is a Stalinist. For every homophobe, there is a queer. Any advocate of a point of view 
should avoid labelling an opponent with emotionally laden, abusive and grossly simplistic terms. Labelling invites retaliation and the intellectual level of the debate plummets beyond any hope of recovery. The authors of this book are particularly adverse to puerile name-calling and gratuitous slander directed at individuals during any disagreement. It is our considered view that anyone who deliberately uses personal abuse in an attempt to win an argument is engaging in unconscionable conduct. No matter what the circumstances, any person who descends to personal abuse is a stupid bastard. Okay, so that was uh, personal abuse slash ad hominem from the book. And this really important point is just because, and we've said this a lot in all our different podcasts, just because it sounds like it's a fallacy when someone's using um, some kind of personal abuse, it's not necessarily a fallacious argument um, uh, unless it's used as the basis of of dismissing someone's claim. Um, And we also said in in uh, in the reading there, pointed out that you it can be easily confused with some of the other fallacies like um, poisoning the well. So poisoning the well is, is definitely is very similar because it's, a, it's got nothing to do... It's kind of a distracting argument. It's like a red herring where you label someone, you abuse them, and it takes the, the argument away from the point you're addressing to some kind of off-topic point. So poisoning the well is a similar one as well. Um, but in terms of being an actual fallacy, it's when it's put this way, if it says if something like, you know, Person A says X, person A is a moron, therefore X is not true. So if, if it's put that way, then it's without a doubt a fallacy. Um, it can be just a, 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 a simply poor um, way to debate people otherwise when you start using personal abuse, even if it's not directly making a fallacy. Um, if it's just simply, you know, distracts the argument from the point or it raises the emotional tone of the debate, um, then it becomes an unnecessary kind of distractor from the point you're trying to get at. Yeah, there's a fine discrimination to be made with these things so that, for example, I can think of a circumstance where personal abuse could become browbeating um, and to try and say definitely it's one or the other might be impossible. If you follow follow the actual phrases used by the person, um, it could have elements of both in one Phrase, or it could have one following closely on the other. I'm thinking of um, a scene from Life of Brian where um, every, the audience is a long distance away from Jesus when he's giving the Sermon on the Mount. Well, Brian, and, uh, yeah, and uh, and one of them says, oh, "You know, big nose calls somebody else big nose," and it, it has nothing whatever to do with the argument of or which they're arguing over the meaning. Uh, you know, blessed are the cheesemakers, or whether, you know what what was actually said. And uh, as soon as you insult someone in that way, they may have a big nose, they may have a spinach between their teeth. Mm. You could make that observation, but um, if you were angry or something like that, but you couldn't use it as a basis for believing that you had advanced your point of view Absolutely. in some significant way. Yeah, well, in, uh, given you just talked about browbeating as well, I think um, it's a good place to play one of the examples I've got, which is um, showing the using the personal abuse just raises the emotional tone of an argument, um, and 
this is also a great example of browbeating and it's one of his general methods of uh, the way he works, which is uh, the famous chef Gordon Ramsay. Um, and so this example warning, there is some explicit uh, language. Um, I don't need to tell you which word he tends to use a lot. Uh, if you're familiar with Gordon Ramsay, um, it has been uh, beeped out because it was made for US television and they're big on beeping out the F word. Um, but here's an example of uh, Gordon Ramsay at work using personal abuse and also browbeating and also physical intimidation all in one hit. Uh, so we'll have a listen to that clip now. After over-seasoning the tuna, Michel is abandoning the new menu. He's now preparing to send his stuffed filet of beef, and Gordon is not happy. Hey, come on, please. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, no, 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 I can see it on your face, but I'm not going to start here. Mr. Big Chef shouldn't be in the kitchen. Guy's not a chef. With the restaurant on the verge of success, Chef Michel is insisting on reverting back to his old ways, and Gordon has reached his breaking point. No, I'm not cutting no. I'm yes, telling you how. No, okay. Sir. All right. Okay. All right. Good. Your menu is not better than mine. You know. You a donkey. My. You run a all of the kitchen yourself. No. Okay. No. no. Who the are you to turn around and tell me when you work like a pig? Yeah. Big. Yeah, you know what? You're lazy pig. Yeah. And uh, you shouldn't laugh at such things, but damn, it's funny. <laughs> I just like, and you know, he calls him a French pig, and so that's it. I mean, it was factually correct in, in half of it. He was French. Um, well, they're the redundancy, yeah, there, well, actually. <laughs> I, I don't think we have any listeners from France yet so far. I think uh, we've got a few European listeners. Shout out to you guys from, uh, I think, Sweden. We've got a few yes, Swedish yes. listeners. Please let us know. Um, and Keep those angry letters coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, we don't have any French listeners so far, I don't think, so I think we're safe in that one. But, um, yeah, so obviously, you know, that's his, his modus operandi is just to abuse the crap out of the people and so on. I mean, it seems to work according to the way the show's edited. Um, but, you know, it's never going to do anything other than just inflame a situation. Um, and, of course, that makes for great TV. But in real life, uh, it's probably not ideal if you're trying to actually convince somebody or win an argument. Also, it often rebounds on the person. So if you've used personal abuse against somebody else and, and then circumstances change so they have the upper hand in future, they're going to be merciless in, in getting their That's revenge. That's right, yeah. So with Gordon Ramsay, for example, he'd have few friends in some areas of the media, including perhaps other chefs. So if if um, something uncomfortable happened to him, like there is currently at present, um, people will be unsympathetic. Right, just so our listeners, if you don't know, there's something at present, I believe, is him cheating on his wife, I believe, isn't it? Not that we want to... Delve into soap opera. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I, I don't think a pig was involved. No, no. Well, <laughs> I think I've seen a show with him wrestling a pig, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and again, what you normally find in these situations is uh, the ad hominem, it, it just descends. And one of the, the most obvious areas you can see this happen all the time is on. Um, Websites in comment sections, especially on the very political ones, where they, uh, or even you know, skeptical websites where they've got proponents of one view or another, and they usually get a troll in there, someone trolling, and they start flaming everybody, and and it usually w without fail descends into ad hominem. And I can think of a few political websites where it takes about two seconds for someone to get on there and and make some kind of vulgar, gratuitous insult towards somebody, and it just serves no yeah, real purpose. Also, 
Also, the, the, the other thing I, I particularly loathe about flaming on the web is that the uh, identity of the person issuing the ad hominem is, is unknown. No, it's completely so cowardly. It's, 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 it's cowardly and uh, swinish, yeah. so I just take no notice of that. Yeah. And, uh, they, they should be described as cowards. No, well, and, look, and, you know, not to, to, to beat around the bush, but people who do that are just a bunch of... Oh, I think your language is very restrained, you know. I mean, I think the, uh, I was the first order. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, don't worry, I'll beep all that out. <laughs> all right. I've been wanting to experiment with putting beeps so we can be quite vulgar. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Um, I, hope, I hope I remember to do it. Now, the, one of the best examples of, of this happening is um, how long it takes for um, someone to resort to what's now been called reductio ad Hitlerum, um, and... That if you look it up on Wikipedia, there's a thing called Goodwin's Law, which is um, uh, which basically the law is that as Usenet discussion grows longer, and I'm assuming we can apply this to any kind of comments on a blog or so on, the probability of comparison to Nazis or Hitler approach is one. Um, and it's such a classic thing, you know, comparing... It's such an easy thing to do, too, comparing people to Hitler. And, and it, it's, it's almost like these people have no knowledge of history to be able to do that. I mean, you know, six million Jews. I mean, the only person you can compare to Hitler is, you know, Pol Pot or Stalin or similar, Stalin, you know, megalomaniacs. Yeah. But, but um, this, there's an example I... Um, Looking for an example of it, a guy made a little... Um, I don't, don't know where I got it from. I've put the link from it. But basically, he went to the outside of an Al Gore um, talk uh, after the um, uh, the website moveon.org had put up some ads comparing George Bush to Hitler because obviously George Bush is the, the main one people have been um, calling, comparing to Hitler over the last um, you know three, four, five, six years even. And so I'll play a little bit of this... Um, clip now i mean it's obviously it's cherry picking and that the guy's gone outside a um a kind of an al gore um talk and then he would have probably i assume edited out anyone who put in reasonable answers but it's still kind of it gives a good example of people descending to um ad uh, reductio ad hitlerum which is kind of the most gratuitous uh, ad hominem insult you can get <laughs> Gore's appearance was arranged by MoveOn.org, a website that's now a power player in democratic politics. Recently, the site came under fire for posting campaign ads comparing President Bush to Adolf Hitler. The ads were pulled shortly after the controversy erupted, but I was left wondering, was this mindset common among Democrats? If you could compare President Bush to any historical figure, who do you think is most similar? Hitler clearly it's the sort of the same sort of way that Hitler worked. You want to you want to get people <laughs> hating one another. And he exterminated a lot of people that he didn't like, didn't trust, whatever. And uh, Bush is doing the same damn thing. Different people, different names, but he's doing the same thing. And there are many variants, from the Nazi variant to the Mussolini variant to the Latin American police state variant to the new. A, 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 a fascist variant we have here, okay? If you could name one historical figure that reminds you most of President Bush, who would it be? It's a good one. Um, I could very easily liken him to Hitler, but I won't do that. I mean, just, just in a matter of his aggressiveness, I could do that. I know a lot has been said about Hitler, and a lot of his quotes uh, mirror 
George Bush's quotes and ideas. I mean, I've heard everybody saying, you know, comparing him to the Nazis and all of that. I, I, you know, I think that he's in a different class. I guess Adolf Hitler might have been a little bit more threatening. A little yeah, bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love how uh, none of them, well, maybe someone was, but they didn't put it in. None of them was witty enough to say when they said, can you compare him to any historical figure? They didn't say George Bush, his father. That's the most obvious oh, yeah, person yeah, yeah. to compare yeah. him to. <laughs> Looks yeah, the same, yeah, sounds yeah. the same, same name, same ideas. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's just it beggars belief that you could actually bother to take that seriously. Um, you know that. Well, the, the other thing is you've got nowhere to go. If you're an advocate who does compare George Bush to Adolf Hitler, once you've said that, there's nowhere to go. It's such an obvious, absurd mm. comparison. That there's no, you can't find any other figure that's worse. Um, it's it. There's nothing more ludicrous uh, than that particular comparison. So, if you compared him to say Ronald Reagan, for those of the, us that are a bit older, uh, that'd be a more, you know, reasonable comparison in terms of general outlook and uh, his approach to things and so on. Um, and then you have the basis of some sort of form of engagement, but. Um, the, the other thing is, I, if if I had parents who are Holocaust survivors, mm, I'd be deeply offended insulted, by yeah. anyone invoking Hitler's name in any comparison at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, um, yeah, Stalin or the other megalomaniacs you compare him to, but that's it. Not not Bush to compare yeah. Hitler to with, but um, you know, yeah. But but as much as you know, I I certainly would uh, not um, uh, advocate calling doesn't matter how bad any modern kind of Western leaders are, none of them can be compared to that kind of thing because they're in a democracy that can be voted out and they can't, they don't use police to, um, you know, crush just... You know, I mean, th this is a country where they can have big peace rallies of millions of people walking down the street protesting against him and they're comparing him to Hitler. It's just absurd. They can have comedy shows on TV mocking him continually and they're comparing him to Hitler. It's just abs blatantly absurd. And um, mm. But as we'll hear uh, from the rest of this clip, uh, it's, they're not exactly the brightest um, spark, so, uh, which is, and so that's the irony in the next bit, because the next thing to do to insult someone is to call them dumb, and of course everyone knows George Bush is the stupidest man alive. So we'll play some more of that clip. How stupid do you think President Bush is? It's, uh, it's really hard to quantify. Uh, I think he's actually very stupid. He's, he's quite stupid, but he, he must be to s somewhat aware of what he's doing. And he knows that he's helping out his rich uh, contributors, and that's destroying the world. Um, judging from his speeches and the, the way he speaks, I really can't imagine that he got into the presidency on any kind of intelligence. Well, I'd like to think he's smarter than he appears to be, but I'm not optimistic. I don't perceive him to be a very intelligent man at all, actually. His analytical abilities are that of a high schooler. I think he's ignorant. It just he seems like an idiot. Oh! <laughs> 
socialist. No, no, I am not. Yes, yes, I am. My brain hurts. Brain hurts. <laughs> I think some of those people got their heads stuck in the cupboard. <laughs> it's just, you know, and the the. I hope they heard that back because none of them come across as particularly bright sparks. Uh, no, no, and no. again, you know, this as much as he might not be uh, the greatest speech maker the Americans have ever had as a president, um, he does have a master's degree and he was a governor and so on. And I, if you're under that and, level and, of scrutiny... And he's a qualified fighter pilot yeah, in the Texas Air National yeah, Guard. Yeah, and it, so, it's a bit hard to... to, to ju- gel that with someone being a complete moron. Um, he might not be the brightest president they've ever had. He's probably not the dumbest either. Um, he's, he's, he's certainly above average intelligence. As much as I might dislike his general policies and his general views, that's just calling him a moron and just getting... Um, just because Basically because he, uh, when, he's, when he talks, he occasionally mispronounces a few words... I'm pretty certain I've mispronounced a bunch of words on this podcast, but I have the luxury of editing them out. But, you know, live to, live speech, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I, well, what I usually point out to people is that um, he's under 24-7 scrutiny, so he's always being recorded. So it's very easy for people to put together what amount to outtakes yep. um, or parts of speeches where he stumbles over words and that sort of thing, or even as Michael Moore does when he was actually... At, at an event where he was supposed to roast himself mm. and he was making disparaging comments or ironic comments about himself. Michael Moore put that in one of his films yeah, as, a, as a real yeah, speech. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's easy to take these things out of context and just think if you under, any, anyone under scrutiny 24-7, I mean, even Kevin Rudd. Um, Our Prime Minister. Uh, yeah, Prime when, Minister. When, when, he, when he mined that earwax <laughs> and, um, and nibbled on it, that was I'm sure Out he, of context, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm sure many people do that. I mean, I, I personally don't, uh, but I'm sure many people do that, and I don't blame them for it. Um, it could be nutritious. It's one way of looking at hygiene. Uh, it depends on what he did with the finger afterwards, I suppose, or, um, or whether he shook hands with someone. Uh, but uh, I think it's unfair to dwell on that, even though Rudy is a filthy, earwax-eating, mongrel <laughs> bastard. All right, now, talking of unfair, it is probably a bit unfair. These people are not representative Democrats, I don't think, as we'll hear in this next section. Uh, I think their political worldview is a little bit, um, how should I say, they're nutters, not to go ad hominem on, but I think we'll let the uh, evidence speak for itself. So there was a coup d'etat, okay, and it was consolidated in 2002 with computerized election vote rigging. But I believe that there's been a shadow government in place. Every four years, they lead us by the nose from one elect- staged election to another. But this is the first time that our shadow government has ever been able to place their guy in the, in the, in the seat of our real government. The, the, the significance of the John Kennedy assassination is that there is no democracy. Remember that President Kennedy was murdered? In Texas, it's the same Texas crew. It's the same lineup today as then, only the names have changed. So it's pretty obvious they're not mentally 
for a well-balanced people. So I suggest no, there was... They're not, they're not the sharpest tools. No, no. Tool so shit. I think the logical thing we can, following his logic, because he said, you know, President Kennedy was assassinated in Texas, or George Bush from Texas, same people involved. So following that logic, every time someone compares Bush to Hitler, we can also assume they're a conspiracy nutjob. I think that would be the fair logical. Well, the, the other thing, the other thing that strikes me quite often is the same person can express the view that George Bush is irretrievably dumb, but at the same, in the same breath, um, uh, accuse him of being behind this enormous and complex conspiracy to bomb the World Trade Center in order to be able to start a war in Iraq. So they, they attribute, um, and they, they give him attributes that are polar opposites. And and nothing fused in their brains. So it, it's no, amazing it how people can hold two concepts that are totally at variance with each other in their brain at the same yeah, time. Yeah, a bit of um, cognitive dissonance, I believe, is the psychological term, how they can compartmentalise those two different thoughts. Oh, oh, of course, George Bush could just be a puppet and, you know, someone's got their hand up his backside doing all the work, but, yeah, that's not an image yeah. I want to go, that, go with. Um so it's taken my breath yeah. away. Schadenfreude. The guilty pleasures of humbug. Well, my uh, sometimes I have been known to uh, descend into ad hominem attacks upon people, but I only kind of condone them when they're witty and when they're not direct, directly a part of your argument, but as, as an afterthought. Um, so, for example, if someone uh, puts typos. Um, and, and requires little thinking, too, on the behalf of the person you're insulting. I don't like to make it too obvious. So if someone's putting a lot of typos on a comment on a blog post or something like that, um, I'll, you know, make some uh, response to them, such as, oh, is it difficult to um, type uh, correctly when you've only got one hand available? Um, so... <laughs> I'll yes, yes. That one out. You don't. You don't actually say what they're doing. No, that's right. Hand, I should let them draw their own conclusions. <laughs> that one only works if they're male. Um, well, not necessarily. Or, or a, and yeah, a wanker. That's right. <laughs> and um, but yeah, and and I don't know. You got any of your personal favourite insults? You, I think you like to. Well, I, I I use an insult in my history essay that I handed in in first year in my BA, which I thought was. Brilliant, but and and it was appreciated by the history lecturer, a professor actually, um, but I didn't get away with it. And I said at the end of my essay, um, it's obvious to the meanest, in- <laughs> it's obvious even to the meanest intellect that I have answered this question convincingly <laughs> and with aplomb. <laughs> and 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 he just wrote, nice try, forty five out of forty five percent. But um, that was an attempt at insult, but it sort of backfired. Yeah. He calls you on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he enjoyed yeah, it. He yeah, enjoyed well, that's why I always and tell my students got... who, who don't do too well, so at least write something funny for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, on that note, I think we'll leave it with um, the probably the ultimate series uh, produced with great insults was uh, Blackadder, the British um, sitcom with uh, Rowan Atkinson. I don't, never liked the first series very much, but I liked the, love the, um, rem- the last three series, so two, three, and four. So I just randomly picked an episode uh, just to grab an insult out of it. Um, and any episode you'll find many, many witty insults uh, that no way could one ever come up with on the spot. So it's just a qual- uh, an example of quality writing. Uh, but this one here is Blackadder, as per usual, insulting um, Baldrick.
are you doing out there? I'm carving something on this bullet, sir. What are you carving? I'm carving Baldrick, sir. <laughs> Why? It's a cunning plan, actually. Of course it is. You see, you know they say that somewhere there's a bullet with your name on it. <laughs> well, I thought if I owned the bullet with my name on it, I'd never get hit by it. Because I won't ever shoot myself. Oh, shame. And the chances of there being two bullets with my name on them are very small indeed. It's not the only thing around here that's very small indeed. Your brain, for example, is so minute, Baldrick, that if a hungry cannibal cracked your head open, there wouldn't be enough inside to cover a small water biscuit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love. I love. I love Baldrick's logic too. I mean, given his premise, it's actually pretty yeah, yeah. good logic. <laughs> And, and I, the other thing is, I love his Blackadder's expression, Rowan Atkinson's expressions as he says these things, because they're, they're so oh, dry, yeah, yeah. you know. And that's why they're so sneering. So well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's yeah, why I like yeah. the, um, to get completely off topic, but the, the later on series, the first series when he was sniveling, were just, was, yes, I just couldn't yes. stomach it, but there were other ones where he was the actual yeah. kind of the cynical, sneering. Uh, I, I think I, I think the first World War one was the best the one, best. yeah. That, one and I that's that one, and that's from the fourth one, yeah. So they're in the yeah. first World War, yeah. and um, yeah, no, that that's yeah. where it reached its pinnacle of, of goodness. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, and of, yeah, pick any episode you want. You have some great, a bunch of great insults, good to go. But there, none of those are examples of ad hominem because uh, he hasn't used it as a basis of an argument. He's used it, well, he's used an it argument, after the no. fact, <laughs> basically, um, uh, you know. That, that he's given them enough rope and they hang themselves, as the expression goes, which clearly was the case. Well, that- yeah, a- actually, he, he's not even addressing mm. the argument Baldrick's putting forward about <laughs> the bullet with his name. You don't need to. He's <laughs> just, it, it's sort of beneath him to even address, <laughs> so he's just sort of looking, look, rolling his eyes. Well, that that's where themselves. I, you know, clearly I, I find um, labelling people is legitimate in when someone is is that dumb that you, you just you know invincible ignorance where it's if you're going to bother to continue engaging with them that's about the only thing you can do to keep yourself insane you know sane because when people descend to such a low level of um of in, of kind of intellect or they put such little thought into their arguments but it's not productive at all that you just do that for your own entertainment if you're going to do it but and, and uh, it also also helps you to be you know you're less stressful when you walk away if you've aimed a few well uh, judged yeah. the results and so on if if they are invincibly ignorant because the trouble with the invincibly ignorant is you can't actually engage in argument with them um, because they just spout nonsense um, and so really uh, the best thing is to walk away yeah. hurling a few insults at well shoulder, and that's and then that's it. quite satisfying because if you leave them um with no, with no chance to respond, that's always the best way to, to hassle people. Kind of an unrelated evil top version of not insulting people, but not of, of not letting people um, have a chance to respond. I was doing um, uh, some supply teaching, a little contract at a school with the, with the children were quite, um, what's the way of putting it? Um, <laughs> 
yeah. spawn of Satan. And um, <laughs> and on my last day there, they didn't know this, but it was my last day of my contract there, and I wasn't going to return. And to get them to shut up, I I gave them a, some brain teasers to do, and of course the worst kids didn't want to do them. And so I said, I've got this one brain teaser you can do, and I've actually think I've got this one on the website, so I'll put a link to it. Um, and I said, if any of you can do this, I'll give you ten dollars. And they try to start trying to do it, and of course, it's one you actually can't do. It's it's literally impossible to do it. And yeah, I said yeah. to them, I said, "Oh, do you want me to tell you the answer now? That means you won't get your ten dollars, or I could I could let you do it over the weekend, and then give you a chance <laughs> to do it." And so all the worst kids, the ones who are being the the you know the littlest, <laughs> were the ones that were, yeah. no no give us we'll do it we'll do it over the weekend. I want that ten dollars. And of course, I never yeah. ever ever returned to that school, and who knows how long they spent working on that on the weekend and that that's still been uh, such satisfaction to me i know it's only in my own imagination but i still imagine that they still are trying to figure out how to do that bloody brain teaser you're a legend well i thought that was pretty good effort and i and i I do tell other teachers and they do they do love that one too um those sort of stories will be told uh you know in a thousand years time the the legend of the i hope so well i imagine my name will be told and reach i'll get a better name then yeah in psychiatric hospitals yeah. for teachers, uh, I'll tell and retell these anecdotes. I've got a few more, a few others, and I know you do too, but they're definitely not for public release. No, no, no. They're, they're ones I'd like to keep. Yeah. So. All right. Anyway, on that note, that was a good podcast. And, um, yeah, okay, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay, see ya. So that was the original episode on Ad Hominem. I hope you've had a great uh, Christmas, New Year's break, and we'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks.